bringing the biggest names in hunting, fishing, and the outdoors together in one place. The BC Outdoors Show, March 24 to 26, 2023, at the Chilliwack Heritage Park in Chilliwack, British Columbia. Fly fishing, fly tying, outdoor gear, lodges, fly shops, rods, boats, RVs, and much more. See you there at the BC Outdoors Show, March 24th to 26th in Chilliwack, BC. The Fly Fishing 97 podcast is powered by theflycrate.com, your source for all things fly fishing. And Wait For It Films. For action-packed fly fishing videos and camera-related content, check out Wait For It Films on YouTube. Based out of British Columbia, Wait For It Films can also be found on the web at www.thewaitcreativeco.com. And Broken Tippet Fly Company. Blog and fishing apparel and accessories. Check them out online at brokentippet.com. You, you, you are listening. You are listening. You are listening to the Fly Fishing ninety seven podcast. Yeah, uh, for BC Outdoors, I started out with BC Outdoors. I used to just do their trade shows. I have a, I had a buddy who I went to elementary school and high school. Uh, Derek uh, Nairos, I'm gonna put a plug in for him. Thank God I was buddies with him. He used to work there and he did the advertising sales back in the day for BC Outdoors magazine. And uh, so he'd bring me along to some of the trade shows in Victoria, and it was more like a you know a, a boys trip the two of us it was kind of fun and so i kind of worked the magazines for them for the different trade shows for about two years three years maybe off and on and then derek moved to another magazine within our company at the time and his position and more of a junior sales position came up and i just kind of put my name forward i got kind of hired on a whim the sales manager at the time uh was was kind of happy to have somebody new and fresh um the owner at the time or the the publisher who's kind of the owner didn't want to hire me at all he's like no we need somebody with experience um i'm now since business partners with this guy and i remind him every single day when i see him about how he didn't want to hire me and i'm his business partner and uh so it's kind of just spun off from there i started as a junior sales guy um the editor at the time uh moved on to a different position uh and left the company and they were looking for somebody that had a bunch of applications and i went in there and said hey why don't you give me the job and he's like you don't have any editorial experience i said yeah i didn't have any sales experience either when i started so i can do this and uh he just kind of went took a flyer on me and this is the same guy who didn't really want to hire me uh maybe he didn't have maybe the truth is maybe he didn't have any other choices so i don't i don't know that i don't know so he just kind of took a flyer, I guess. And then at the time, we did a bit of a, a split with the with the company, and it just kind of spun off from there, where I became the editor of the magazine. And um, and I, I'll tell you, that is probably at the time when I got that job, that was probably one of the proudest moments of my life. I hadn't had my kids yet, but that was one of the things because I thought, man, you know what, a guy who basically got through high school because I was a really good football player is now the editor of a magazine that I grew up reading. Get ready for the 2023 fly fishing season with the Fly Crate. We have hundreds of trout, bass, panfish, and saltwater flies, ranging from the classic elk hair caddis to jigged Euro nymphs. Join thousands of other fly anglers who fish with the Fly Crate. Listeners of the Fly Fishing 97 podcast get 10% off their first order, plus receive free shipping on all U.S. orders over $45. Order today. Go to www.theflycrate.com and use the promo code FLYFISH97 to save 10%. Welcome to this edition of the Fly Fishing 97 podcast. Super happy you chose to join us this time around. And we've got a great guest for you on the program today. We're going to do what we always do, find passionate people in the fly fishing, fishing space and kind of dig into their history, their past, kind of where their passion comes from, what brings you to the water, that type of good stuff. We've got Mike Mitchell on the line out of Mission, British Columbia, Canada. And Mike, uh, you will know from uh, BC Outdoors Magazine, editor and associate uh, publisher. He is the host and executive producer at BC Outdoors Sport Fishing TV show. And uh, we're going to talk about, too, a BC Outdoors show coming up. It's a big show in Chilliwack in March, March 24th to 26th. We'll chat all things outdoors. Mike, thanks so much for coming on the show today. I appreciate it. Yeah, no worries. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Let's start at the beginning for you, man. Like, uh, I mean, this is what you do. How did... um, 
first off, let's specifically fly fishing because I know you're saltwater guy. Yep. You're kind of all over the map. You're hunting, but what? Let's talk fly fishing specifically. Where did that kind of itch start for you? Uh, you know what? I'll, I'll go back to a funny little little thing. When I was young, my uh, my dad took me on a guy's trip up to uh, Surrey Lake in Kamloops. And this was before the Coquihalla was in. And this is when you had to four-wheel drive only into that lake. And it was just this, this really cool spot we went into. And I remember the first couple weekends going in there. Uh, and we, we fly fished. But what we did is we trolled sinking lines with flies. And they had a little shop in there. And I remember walking into the shop. And my dad said, okay, you can pick out a fly if you want. And I picked out a red carry special because it just looks really cool. And so I stuck it on my line. I don't think I caught much all in all weekend. And then like, I just remember coming into the boat launch one day, my dad's telling me, okay, bring your line. And also my line starts ripping out and I had a big fish on it. <laughs> so and funny because my dad and I were talking about this story maybe five years ago. And of course I have this, this thought process in my head that, oh yeah, this, you know, big jump and huge fish and blah, 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 and all this stuff. Right. And get it to the side of the boat and it swam away. We didn't get to see it. He goes, no, Mike, he said, you panicked. You clamped your hand on the reel and held the rod as tight as you could. And the thing busted your line off. You lost your fly and you cried for a day because you lost your fly and had to buy a new one. So I, I don't know if that started my passion for fly fishing, but it's definitely one of my first memories of kind of fly fishing. Yeah. Um, and then I can think, and then I can fast forward a little bit into my um, early twenties when I uh, started fishing with a bunch of guys and they're all, you know, belly boating guys going up to like Courtney Lake and, mm. and that kind of stuff and, in, and other lakes like that. And they're casting spoons. And I was like, you know, I just want to, I want to try some ultralight stuff. I, you know, at the time got into ultralight spinning rod and I'm like, why don't I use a fly rod? And so I kind of just self-taught myself to basically roll cast a little bit and you catch a couple of fish. You realize how cool it is on, mm. on the fly rod, catching a fish instead of a spinning rod, just such a different feel. And then I, I think I kind of just, you know, in all honesty, I kind of faked it for a few years, pretending I knew what I was doing. And then I remember, I remember getting invited to um, an industry pro. This is after I'd started at BC Outdoors, probably in my early 30s, starting at BC Outdoors. And I got invited to an industry uh, event up at um, Salmon Lake. Oh, no, actually, sorry, that was up at Stony Lake. And guys up there were like Tom Johannes and Brian Chan. Um, hmm. Uh, Phil Rowley, uh, I think Mark Penlington was there. Oh, yeah. Uh, Dave Steele, like these are Harry uh, Colvis. All these guys are like these iconic guys in the industry. I think Kelly Davis, Davis, Davison was there too from, sorry, Sea Run. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was like a lot of these iconic guys there that you kind of knew about in the industry. And there, you know, you, you get to know them all of a sudden and you're fishing with them and, and poor, I got stuck with Mark Penlington, poor guy. I think <laughs> was, uh, so disappointed he's with me because I really didn't know what I was doing. So I was just basically the time copying and trying to figure it out. And then I think I got to spend about, I think I got to spend half a day in the boat with Brian and Brian and Brian Chan at the time really kind of said a few things like, you know, this is why this, you know, you can work on your casting and he really kind of started getting me a little bit more dialed in. And then once you, once you kind of get and understand what fly fishing is about it's it's super addictive as you know right oh man it's uh it's hard to explain you know like and and a lot of folks i talked to on the show mike basically mm-hmm. started spin casting i think we pretty much 90 yeah. percent of us did it's rare i hear somebody say i started fly fishing but it is an obsession and it you, you feel you feel would you agree a little more in touch with what's going on just because there's no weight there you just you and the fish yeah, and it, I think it's and it's it's more of a to me it's more of a challenge and more of a game too, because you're really trying to figure out and figure out what the fish want, and then especially if there's any time I'm fishing with Brian, there's an underlying challenge and contest between him and I, and I'm never going to win those contests. I know that that guy has forgotten more about fly fishing than the most of us put together will ever know about fly fishing. He's just 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 an absolute. Uh, icon when it comes to fly fishing of course so i like to pretend i can outfish him once in a while and, and there's been the odd time where i think i have uh yeah. for maybe half a day and i'll say something and then it's like he gets his refocus and it's like okay now i'm not <laughs> going to catch another fish the rest of the day and i'm going to be netting all his fish which which turns out to be all the day all right so anyway but i i think that i think you're right it, it is a, it's a challenge right you're, you're trying to 
you know, match chronomids against things and things have changed so much in the, in the, in the industry, probably in the last 12 to 15 years that guys used to fish, um, docks, Bratleys, and that's what they would fish with. Like yeah. that was fly fishing back, back, mm-hmm. back. Maybe when I was even first starting chronomids were just kind of maybe getting into the, getting into it. And guys, guys were kind of refining it a bit more, but now it's a, it's a science. It's a total science on how to catch fish and be consistently yeah. good at it. It takes a lot of work and, and guys that do it, they, they got all the respect for me guys that can catch fish consistently and, and produce have, uh, you know, like I said, I got all the respect in the world for those guys. Well, like you said, anybody that's doing this any amount of time, let's say in the province of BC, Western Canada, you were trolling a Doc Spratly or like you said, alluded to a carry special, a red carry, something like that, or a 52 Buick, like those old time yeah. patterns. Right. And yeah. How often do you reach for those now, Mike? Like, is it like, well, I'm not putting a Spratly on fishing with Brian. I, and I'll tell you something. I do it just to get him going. I, I have there, we did an episode a few years back and I'm trying to remember where it was, but I caught probably both five or six fish in a row on a Spratly under indicator. And I was, <laughs> I made sure he knew that I was getting it on a Spratly every time the indicator go down and went, Oh, there's another one on a Spratly. And he was just shaking his head. It was cause it was like everything that he'd been teaching everybody preaching all through the years has been thrown out by me getting lucky. And really it was lucky uh, getting a few fish, maybe finding the right depths or finding some fish that are feeding that were active and hooking a few fish and man, I still talk to him to this day about it. I'm like, I'm starting out with Spratly no matter what. And I don't, but I, I talk to him about all the time where I say, yeah, 52 Buick or a red carry special or whatever it's going to be. Right. Yeah. And then, you know, it's like, I said, I, and I have a, I have a fly box and I think we could all remember this when army and Navy used to be in New S you could go and buy that little disc of dry flies. And they had all oh, these yeah. different, yeah. yeah, they had all these different colored tails and reds and blues. Mm-hmm. I have a fly box jet just for that. So whenever we're with Brian, I I pull that out all the time. And I'm like, so out of these, Brian, which ones should I start with today? And he just rolls his head at me like, what are you doing? And of course, it goes back in the end of the box into the bag, and out comes his his briefcase of chronomids. Yeah, anyway. exactly. It's like yeah. it's like you know you know you could probably really get his goat if you pull out the blister pack, right? Yes. None of these hand tied yeah. flies at the bench. The yeah. plastic blister pack that's gonna take them over the edge. <laughs> Yeah, even better if I bring it in like a Walmart bag or something too. Like, don't have <laughs> fancy over-the-shoulder bags. It's a Walmart bag and some blister pack flies. Yeah, and I'm good uh, to go. So listen, yeah. you're throwing out some serious influences there, and I'm. Uh, it sounds like Brian's a big one. But if you if you had to look back and say, you know, you know, you mentioned fishing with Mark Pendleton back in the day, or who would you cite as influences kind of on your learning curve in the fly fishing world? Yeah. I, I'm definitely not going to say Mark Pendleton. I, I think that he probably had the worst fishing experience of his life fishing with me at the time. Again, I was new to fly fishing. Everybody else was catching fish around him. And I think he was quite frustrated that he didn't have somebody in the boat with him that could catch fish consistently and make it, make everything look good for him. Um, I, honestly, you know, for fly fishing, I, I do have to say that I think that Brian has been, you know, silently. And I don't, I hate to even admit this on, on the record, but yeah, I'm pretty sure it's been Brian just because he's, man, like I said, he's just everything he's kind of told me about. And I wouldn't say he teaches, he just tells me to do stuff. Right. And Hey, try this. And it really kind of makes you step back and think like, okay, so he's giving you this little bit of information on how to catch fish, but what is he really keeping to himself that he's catching more (laughs) fish than I'm catching? Although he says I'm using the same loop, same fly. Uh, so I, I would have to say it's probably been Brian. And again, I filmed a few episodes of them over the years. Mm-hmm. Um, he's been great. And, you know, and in all honesty, too, I got to give credit to Phil, Phil Rowley as well, too. I mean, he's been yeah. writing for BC Outdoors for years for us. Um, we used to do a couple learning with the pros weekends where him and Brian would come on and do seminars over the weekends. And I learned a lot from Phil as well, too. And, and just in talking to Phil and he's been on the show a couple times too, but even just reading through and, and, uh, going through his articles and stuff when he sends it in you learn a lot from him too and he's another guy that has probably forgotten more than you and i will ever learn about fly fishing yeah hey man like that those two guys yep. there you just named are huge influences on i think a lot of us and uh, especially yep. in the Stillwater game right like yep. um yeah good stuff i i yep. don't you know what's funny like 
this podcast goes all over the place and I have more listeners stateside than I do in Canada. Simply it's a numbers game, I believe, but yep. the Stillwater thing is really attracting a lot of attention. Like I, you know, there's only so much space out there on a river, especially some of these rivers that are iconic rivers. You know, the, the runs are known, people are in them all the time. But when you get out on a lake, like you alluded to it up on, say, the Coquihalla area or whatever, in the interior of BC, chances are you've got some space. Yeah. I, I think yeah. that's huge. I really do. Well, the, yeah, well, the, like you said, the thing is, is that there are, you and I could fish, a lake a day for the rest of our lives and we'll never run out of different lakes to fish. And that's that whole plateau of highway four, highway 97, um, all those areas up in that area of merit to, uh, out to, to, to Revelstoke and above that you can make, draw a big circle and say, okay, we're going, we're going to hit a different lake every day. And, and like I said, we'll never be able to fish every single lake that's out there. Um, and that's, we're truly spoiled to have that for sure. Right. Yeah. Amen. So yeah. I want to take some time, Mike, to get to know you kind of off the water a little bit. You ready for a few questions that maybe don't have a ton to do with fishing? Yeah, sure. Okay. So you're headed, say you're headed out to your favorite still water and uh, you got a little bit of a drive ahead of you. What is playing in the truck on the way there? Music wise. Oh, you, you know, that's, that's tough because I used to be, I used to be a guy that liked his, his, his rock, rock music. Um, you know, I got a, it's funny because I, I got a, uh, the guys that do the original music for our TV show or for the TV show, um, used to have a kind of a rock band in the, in the nineties. And I listened to, they, they put out four or five CDs and I listened to their stuff a lot, like on repeat, basically, hmm. uh, back in the day. But I would have to say lately I've softened my stance a little bit and I'll listen to, I'll listen to some classic rock, but it's going to be probably country most of the time now. And probably an influence due to the fact that uh, our girlfriend Marissa is uh, a huge country fan. So I've kind of got to open up my my mind to a few of it, mm-hmm. uh, a few of the artists. And I have to say, pro- probably going to be country now. Yeah, I feel that. I, I, <laughs> the thing I love about country is that I talk to a lot of people that either love it or hate it. But you can find your genre because there's, there's a lot of rock crossover you know, you start listening to guys like Eric Church and, uh, I don't know, yep. J- Jason Aldean. <laughs> there's, there's a lot of guitar in some of this stuff, right? Yeah, and and I think, too, that what I'm starting to learn about music and, you know, is with with, with having with having three kids, my, my son, who's 20, really likes to push the envelope on the music he listens to. And a lot of it, if you start listening to the lyrics, they're not – the messages in the lyrics that are being <laughs> – <laughs> put out there today by different by different groups and, and artists aren't really a positive message and they, they just the way they just some of the lyrics are degrading and stuff I, I don't find that in country i find it's all about maybe you're complaining that your girlfriend or your boyfriend cheated on you and left but you you don't really you don't really like degrade them yeah and call them out on you know what i mean it's it, mm-hmm. and, and a lot of the time it's more about tailgating partying and falling in love and it's just it's 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 a it's a relaxing music to listen to you could tap your foot to it but it's it's not it's just something you can just listen to and not have to really analyze what you're listening to yeah. and i guess that's maybe that's part of me getting older but being a parent but some of the some of the stuff that gets put on the truck radio when we're driving a softballer with my kids i like my daughter i'm like no i'm not <laughs> listening to that and you shouldn't either you listen to what the lyrics well it's not only about the lyrics they say and i'm like listen to what they're saying it's 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 not a great message. Yeah, no. Yeah, yeah. I get where you, I get where you're coming from. Let's talk patterns. So, and this is a pretty big question, Mike. But one yep. go-to fly pattern that you reach for, kind of when you hit the still, more often than not. I, I got to say that if I'm going to start, if I'm not starting on a like, I'll usually start with a searching pattern. Um, if I'm not seeing chronomets coming off, if if I'm seeing not if they're not seeing the swallows i'm not seeing any fish moving i'm not seeing any bugs coming off i gotta tell you i really like throwing uh boobies and blobs i just there's something about it like even when i get i kind of get in that still water boredom where you're tired of staring at your indicator mm-hmm. uh, and it's not going down i'll put that aside and i'll start casting a, a boobie or a blob if i see if i'm seeing swallows coming off and i want to start so i'm going to start with a red and black or a chromie that's just that's yeah. just that's, that's blood that's money Oh yeah, I was just gonna say that's yep. funny. 
Yeah, and you know what I like what you said there is you see, you're paying attention. So you're seeing those swallows. And to mm-hmm. me, that observation skill set is something that we don't pay enough attention to. Like, I think that is such a huge part of the fly fishing game. Maybe not so much the spin casting game, but the fly fishing yep. game, you, you really have to look at the details, right? Yeah, you, you got to pay attention to your environment. Like, fish jumping... Fish jumping in an area don't necessarily mean that the fish are active and fishing or, or, or sorry, and, and eating, but it means there's fish there. So you should probably go and try and fish there because you, you, they've just said, hello, I'm here, but it doesn't mean they're active eating. But that's what Brian says. We're not seeing fish move or seeing fish get active. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so we'll be fishing somewhere and all of a sudden he'll be like, pull up the anchor. I just saw three fish jump at the other side of the lake. We're going to fish that area. I'm like, really? Like, we just caught a fish here five minutes ago. He goes, no, it's five minutes. Let's go there. There's fish there moving. Let's go try and catch those fish. <laughs> and and I think you're right. I think that that observation for fly fishing, and that's a, that to me is a, that's something you, you learn after a while. Like, it's taken me a few years. And, and again, I'm not speaking of being an expert fly fisherman by any means. I don't. I've never claimed to be an expert. I, 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 can, I can handle a rod decently. I can sometimes produce fish, but I'm, there's... Most guys I meet out there that fly fish on the lakes are way better anglers than I am, and I'll never claim to be a professional angler, so to say, or a, or a, or a great stillwater guy. But the things that you learn over the years, like you said, mm-hmm. attention to detail, figuring out what's going on in the lake, you, you, it's a, you have to learn that. It takes a little while to learn that and really understand what these guys are talking about. Yeah. And until you do, it's, you know, it, it, could be, it could be frustrating for sure. You know, I think that's what makes you such a great host on the show, though, is it's like you're not, it's not necessarily a how-to from you. It's like, you know, you're with somebody that's maybe like a Brian, a Brian Chan, and you're saying this is what we're doing. Not to say that you don't know exactly what's going on, but Mm -hmm. I think that's kind of appealing to most of us weekend warriors. Mm. Yeah, and and I think that one of the things that I have always tried to stay is, I've always tried, I've never tried to ever claim that I am, I know more than what my guests know. And there's a reason you bring guests on there. If we're going to an area, you know, saltwater fishing, if you're like, say, if you're going to Cayucat and you want to go saltwater fishing, you're going to go David Murphy. Well, David Murphy uh, has so many days in the water in that area that he just knows how to fish it properly. Whereas I can go and saltwater fish and I can produce fish most places, but he's just going to produce that much more fish. Same with fishing stillwater. You go fish with Brian and Phil. Yeah, I can go catch five fish. But if I'm fishing with those guys and I'm listening to what they're talking about, I'm going to catch 10 to 15 to 20, right? And that's mm. the difference. He just knows so much more. And I've, and again, I've never really ever claimed to be an expert on it. I just, I love fishing. I love I love hosting. I love fishing with new people. I like getting their stories. Mm-hmm. And that's what we've always tried to portray on the show. It's, it's not me about being uh you know bobby big wheel and knowing everything that's that's never what i'll be about love it let's talk i mean this is your every day right whether it's bc outdoors magazine or doing the tv show where do you get your fix when you're not on the water like where do you get your fill of fishing i i gotta i have to tell you that that having a tv show and i'm and i i gotta be careful how i say this because i don't want to come off as complaining but having a TV show is you're on, you never can kind of step off and just be, I can never just relax enough just to kind of let my hair down and just kind of, you know, not care and not be focused. You have to be so focused on a TV show that I think that that takes so much energy out of you. By the end of the season, I'm ready. I'm ready not to talk fishing for a little bit. Like, in fact, like in October, I just want to talk about hunting. I want to go hunting because it's a total different swing mm-hmm. and I'm, you know, total different swing. But I, I, I find that at the end of the season, I want to go and just relax. And it takes me till about Christmas time. And then come Christmas time, I start thinking about next year. And then I start getting excited again about fishing. So I find that my, my fix is taken by other things and I get super I get super busy with my kids. My kids, uh, both my daughters play rep softball. So I'm constantly driving and going to tournaments and games. And, and that those two girls are, they go 365 days a year. Softball does not end for them ever. They get a, wow. maybe a week off and that's it. And then it's just right back to the grind again. So mm. that takes up a lot of my time, but, and that, I think that keeps me busy, but then it's, and then you're right. Once we start talking fishing, when I started 
going back through our Instagram and started trying to refocus on mayhem. I'm like, yeah, I got to start. I'm mean, starting to get excited about fishing again. I started thinking about when I'm going to go and I started planning out some trips already. So um, to answer your question, to get my fix, I guess my fix comes during the season when we start to do it, but it's, yeah. there's never really a downtime anyway. Are you a big sports guy, Mike? I, I assume you probably are, but um, yeah. It, yeah. who who are you pulling for? Like, what's your team? What's your sport? I, I got to say that, uh, you know, I, Used to be a huge hockey fan. Um, I played football growing up. I love the CFL. I love the BC Lions. Um, I, I love having an argument about guys wanting to talk about how the NFL is is uh, better than the CFL. And I just plain out say, well, you know, the NFL is more money and more talent, but the CFL game is better. I, I love the NFL too. Um, I love baseball. I love all sports. So I just, hmm. you know, I got to have to sit here and, and you know, you know, spot off the, my, my teams. I'm a Philadelphia Eagles fan, wow. diehard Eagles fan since the early nineties when Randall Cunningham was there disappointed when we lost to uh, Brady and, and uh, the Patriots in the Super Bowl. elated when we, uh, when we just won the Super Bowl a couple of years back, it was mm-hmm. awesome for that to happen. Um, and then of course his last year, they've, they've uh, kind of been a, you know, one of the best teams in the league. So it's great to watch them again. Um, but yeah, I love, love ball, soft, uh, hard ball. I'm a Red Sox fan. Um, and then, you know, the Canucks, I'll, I'll watch the Canucks. I'm not nearly as diehard Canucks as I used to be when I was younger, but that's just mm-hmm. timing, I think for everything. We, uh, didn't we just lose our quarterback in BC to, uh, to the NFL? Yeah, he signed a signed a futures deal with uh, Jackson Jaguars, so he's going to be competing for the second string down there. And we have, you know, we had our guy that came in last year, filled in Vernon Adams Jr. So he'll be he'll be okay. I think I think he'll be okay. He's not going to be as dynamic, but he's a he's a you know he's a veteran guy that can play. So I I I think we'll be okay. You had many football players, hockey players out on the on the water on the show over the years. Uh, Yeah, we've had some hockey NHL guys come out. We've done, we did an NHL alumni derby up at uh, Shearwater a few years back. Um, Mm -hmm. I also used to produce uh, a show called Sport Fishing Adventures, which aired, you know, I don't know, it's probably going back five years ago was the last time it aired. But so we had some hosts there. Well, Phil was the host for one year. And then we had uh, Chris Burns, who played in the CFL, and Brendan Morrison, Mm -hmm. who played in the NHL. Of course, they were the two hosts. So they would have, their buddies come out and they do like a mini competition fishing show at each of the different resorts and lodges and whatever. So that we produced that, uh, that for a bit, but, uh, right. I've had a few guys on there too. I think you had, do you have Willie Mitchell on there? I think Willie was, I think Willie had been on that, yeah, uh, I thought so. that sport fishing adventures, uh, episode back in the day. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, hmm. yeah, such a, such a big crossover in my mind. It, it's like when you talk to, you know, professional sports people, hockey people, they're usually they're either golfers or fishers or hunters. You know, there's a lot of, you need something to do in that off season. And it seems to me like a lot yeah. of them do fish for sure. Hmm. Yeah, you're right. I think I know, a lot of hockey guys, a lot of hockey players seem to, yeah. uh, you know, gravitate towards fishing. And of course, a little bit of their off season, you know, is prime salmon season. So a lot of them like to hit those, uh, hit the different lodges in BC and get a chance to chase salmon. Yeah. Why, why not? Right. Great food, yes. beautiful scenery, amazing fishing. Uh, yeah, exactly. Hard to beat. So yeah. this is kind of a big question, Mike, but I like mm-hmm. to ask this. Why, why, why do you do this? Like what, why is this basically it's part of your DNA at this point, but when it comes to hunting, fishing, spending all this time outdoors, doing the magazine, like what does it bring into your world? You know, I, I think that for myself, the outdoor side of things brings me, you know, in my early twenties, you know, I started getting back into the outdoors. I think what it did is it brought me back to some good childhood memories of when my dad would take me or my grandpa, uh, the Mitchell side would take me. And I spent a lot of time at his house, you know, in, in, uh, White Rock, we'd spend the day and go down and fish bullheads off the dock all day. And he'd, put him in the bucket. We walk back up the hill and he'd stick him in his guard fertilizer. It was just, that's what he did back in the day. But I think that, um, you know, it, 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 it kind of brings you back to the connection of some great memories as a kid. And I wanted my kids to experience some of it too. Um, you know, and then the other side of it is, is that, you know, when I first started the TV show, I was told by a few people in the industry that don't bother, you'll never make it work. Well, 
that that's the worst thing you can do for me is tell me no <laughs> or tell me that it's not going to happen because that makes me work harder. Right. I, I, I think it. if somebody, you know, and I, I, I would think that a lot of people like that too, but it was almost a challenge. And that was, that was 13 years ago. I can remember the phone call, you know, plain as day to, to this guy. And it, it spurred me on. I was shocked by the response and it just pushed me to be better. And it actually made me want to uh, excel and be better. And that's really what it is. And it was just kind of a, no, you can't do this type thing. So don't bother. You won't make it happen. So that, mm. that's kind of the way it is. Yeah. I'm like that too. Someone tells me I can't do something. Makes me want to do it even more. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, okay. So this is going to be a tough one for you. So I like to talk careers. Obviously yep. you've got a few things going on, whether it's mayhem rods, BC outdoors, mag, uh, the sports fishing TV show. Mm-hmm. And, and of course the outdoors show, and I'm sure you got lots of side projects we haven't even got to yet, but what's the best gig you've had so far? If you could pick one. Uh, you know, I think that this, I think that the, the, I think if I were to look at what I, what I have today and, and it's, and you're right, it's evolving. There's always different projects and stuff right now. And I think it's because I, it takes, it takes like people, like we had some, some friends come over on Saturday night here. And one of the guys that came over, I knew his, knew his wife through some friends and hadn't really talked too much about him. And he sat here and he kind of asked me a bunch of questions about what I do for work. And he just looks at me and goes, man, you got a great job. And I'm like, yeah, I do. Like, I, I know that, like, I know how lucky I am to do what I do and, and how thankful I am. And I never want to take it for granted. I think that right now, the way that my career is shaking out, I think that it is as good as it's, it's been. And I hope it gets better. I don't know how it will get better, but it's pretty darn good right now. <laughs> I love that. I think being yeah. grateful too, for where you're at is always, always, a oh, good yeah. thing, you know that it it leaves you open to more stuff down the road too. I, I love it. Yeah. You got an amazing attitude. You seem like, I mean, I don't know you that well, and we've just started chatting, but you seem like a, a connector to me. Like you seem like, talk to Mike. He'll know this guy over here, this gal over here. You seem like the guy that kind of puts people in touch with people. Am I wrong on that? Yeah, I, I kind of like the whole matchmaking thing minus the relationship. I, I love to be able to bring people together for the greater good of either the industry or their business. I, there's nothing, nothing, nothing is better than taking somebody out, say fishing and watching them catch the biggest fish of their life. And, and a, there's a little part of your brain, like, man, I should not have passed that rod off or, and there, but then that goes away because <laughs> you start to see the way that this guy looks or this girl looks or the way that they, they feel about things. And the same thing goes for business business too. If I can help a business out somehow and get them, to do to 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 accelerate their stuff or succeed in their business through some context that i know what does it cost me it cost me a phone call and an email an email exchange and an and a yeah. introduction and that's that's just you got to build karma somehow and that's a great way to build karma but it also feels good too when it when you see it work out and i'm the type of guy who likes to have my circle of people around me i like to bring new people in to expand the circle mm-hmm. and i always call them my people so my people around me like to bring my people into this big circle and everybody should get along and everybody should get to get to know each other and work together. And that's how you get to be better in business is the more contacts, you know, the better you can be. And I, I feel yeah. it's, you're right. I like putting people together and trying to make things work out. If I see a, if I see a potential, I'm like, Hey, you guys should talk. Yeah. It's a good. I like that too. I, you wouldn't believe how many guys starting podcasts reach out and I'm like, man, this is what you got to do. This is what you got to do. Let's I'll come on your show. You come on mine. You know what I mean? It's like, it's like we're all doing the same thing, right? It's uh, I don't know. I I love that part of the business. It's like when you're in your boat and your buddy gets the fish of a lifetime, you're happy for him. You know what I mean? You're not like, damn, I wish that was me. It's like you're sharing in the experience, right? So, yeah, well, we've like, like through the TV side, you know, another, another example is, and, and again, I'm, I'm not trying to brag or toot my own horn too much, but I'm, we were able to obviously do fishing adventures, sport fishing adventures for four or five seasons. Uh, we did another, uh, episode or another season of, uh, a cooking show with, uh, with a lady, Tammy Wood, who was on, uh, Master Chef Canada. So we filmed a full episode, full season of her doing cooking stuff and she's cooking with game meat and stuff. It was really cool. And then I, 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 
I got an email come in through this this guy from Alberta at the time, and he was doing some writing for some of our other magazines, and he was doing a, a little bit of stuff for BC Outdoors. And I saw him kind of do a, a like a little YouTube clip, and I phoned him up and I said, "Hey, you know what?" Like, and I, and I also saw him at a trade show speaking. And I said, "I said I phoned him up and said, hey, Wes, like, you should do your TV show. Let's let's do a TV show. I can produce it. I got a camera guy. Let's. I think you'd be great on TV." Well, Wes now is gone, and he's probably done seven six seven years of a show called fishing the wild west based out of uh, alberta and yeah and he's he's rocking it it's great like the sponsors he has are some of the biggest in the industry he's doing quite well he's branched off he does his own thing now but i just when i see kind of things that i can see that good people and 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 a potential you kind of want want them to mm-hmm. to 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 exploit themselves and get and get that exposure they need and and and, and do good things right i love it yeah. We've got Mike Mitchell on the line tonight. Mike is the edit- editor, associate publisher with BC Outdoors Magazine. I'm sure you've read this one. It's uh, it's a staple around the house here since since I can remember. Um, host executive producer of BC Outdoors Sport Fishing TV show. You can catch that on Czech TV, Sportsman Channel, WFN, uh, to name a few, Coast TV. And also the BC Outdoors show coming up in March, March 24th to 26th. We'll talk all about that. And Mayhem rods i don't know where to start with you man let's start mike let's start with mayhem um because that's kind of how i reached out to you initially because i i remember when you started advertising these rods and i i checked them out at the show last year um walk us through how you started this brand mayhem fly rods and kind of what it's all about yeah so, so basically mayhem mayhem was born through frustration of dealing with other manufacturers in the fly fishing industry. <laughs> I had a few sponsors, uh, fly rods and stuff that just would go away or they would just, they weren't, they weren't quite right. Or a couple guys just didn't pay the bill. I uh, didn't pay the bill. So I was like, why am I, why am I continually pr- to promote these brands on my TV show? All these rods telling people, basically you should go and buy these without really saying that you should go buy these, but putting my name behind it, my brand behind it for these guys to make money, but not to follow up with what they promised and, and agreed to and signed a contract to do. So I, I just like, you know what, like I'm going to look into this. And I, I just kind of searched around and I got this random email from uh, like a manufacturing place of a warehouse in uh, overseas in China. And they were saying, Oh, custom flyer rods. Da, 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 da. So I sent the email. I said, how much does it cost to get custom flyer rods done? And what do I need to do? Anyway, they said, they basically, you know, back and forth said, send us a sample of what you want made and we'll make it to your specs and every, anything you want. And here's the cost. And I'm like, well, that's reasonable. I can go and get 50 flyer rods made custom from, and if I sell half of them, it's going to cover most of the cost. And then I got some flyer rods for myself and I might as well promote my own brand. So that's, that's kind of what I did again. And then it, talking to a few people in the industry, they're like, no, don't do that. It's, it's not a good idea. You're just going to waste your money. Well, I went and did it anyway. And then I expanded the line again. And, and, uh, I just, again, somebody said, no, so don't tell Mike, no, thing. that's the worst thing that could have done is say, no, don't do it. It's stupid. Hmm. And, and you know what? You're, you're not going to get rich. I'm not going to get rich off making the fly rods, but it's, it's fun to know that I have my own brand and my own specs and, and have a rod that I, I was, I was, I'm quite comfortable using now. And, and I like the feel of it and it's, it's my brand. So it's, it's kind of a cool thing. So where do we find mayhem? So if somebody wants to get, you know, their hands on one of these rods, like, is this a, um, online thing? Is it in fly shops near you? Where do we go? Yeah. Right now, um, we're, we're just basically online. Uh, there's probably a few floating out there in some different places. We have, we have had some retailers taken, but not a bunch. It's, and I've just left it that way too. I haven't really pushed, pushed it. So it's mostly been all online sales or at trade shows. Hmm. Um, and I think we've probably over the last few years, like we've, we've probably have only sold 50 rods. Cause I don't, I don't put enough of the marketing side into it and getting into everybody's face. Like yeah. I don't have a dedicated Facebook page that draws attention for other things that I'm able to promote it on. I just don't, I don't have that. I don't have that time to do that. Hmm. But we, you know, we have commercials rolling on my TV show and it's funny because every time we our commercial rolls during our show, we get a whole bunch of clicks <laughs> and it's just this, 
the commercial, you don't even know what it is until the end. It's just like, there's not, it's not somebody standing a river, you know, fly, fly fishing. If you see it, it's kind of a very cryptic looking commercial we've done with this really creepy look and a Rodner hat. It was really cool. We just like, Hey, well, let's slap a mayhem fly fishing. And, and lately we've toyed with the whole idea of the Sasquatch things. So we fooled around with mayhem Sasquatch. And it's just, it's just goofy fun, right? And it's just trying to be trying not to be too serious with it all, but just to kind of have some fun with it, right? Where where did the name come from? Out of curiosity, I uh, I gotta say I am a huge I'm a huge geek when it comes to the Joker, and so the whole mayhem thing is the um, the the whole play on the Joker really is is the mayhem. If you look at the colors of it, it's black with uh, you know lime green and the undertones of purple, very. <laughs> very jokerous if you look at the reels we came out with at the time uh we had the reels were called the jesters they were they were a flop they weren't they weren't the greatest thing i i, I should have done a little bit better of getting those we've since discontinued them just because they weren't worth the, uh, the the hassle of having them but uh that's kind of the whole thing like i i love the joke right every if you come up to my cabin ever you'll see above the door of the uh cabin and you know all the joker cards from decks of cards are all hung up there every time i get a deck of cards i put it into take the jokers and stick them on top of the door there so it's uh just kind of the way and i have a, I have a room downstairs it's got a bunch of joker posters and stuff in it so it's just kind of that that kind of play off of that thing what what's your go-to fly rods for still water so let's say you're you know in the interior of the province and you're on the still are we talking slightly longer rods five weights six weights what's your go-to i i do like a 10 foot five weight uh, when I'm fishing uh, dry lines and chronomids and and indicators and stuff like that, and then when I'm when I'm fishing more, I'm going to fish boobies or blobs or or leeches, and I'm you know mending a little faster. I, I switch down and go down to a nine foot six weight. Mm-hmm. Um, that's those are the two go tos I, I I like for sure. And again, I think being a taller guy and standing up in the boat, I like to have that extra arm length, and and it just seems when you got a ten foot. When you got a 10 foot rod and you're fishing a, you know, 10 to 15 foot leader and you stand up in the boat, it makes it a lot easier to net the fish too. When you got a, a long leader and a oh, long man. rod and a long leader, right? Well, and not to mention when you get some of those windy days, we're pretty well known for it. It's nice to have a little extra backbone. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, the, the rods I have are very fast, fast casting rods too. I like a little, not as you, you've probably seen, I'm not that slight, I'm not a slight guy. I got a little bit, I got more backbone and, and a little bit more meat to my, my casting than probably the average guy. I'm, I'm more, uh, uh, I'm more brawn than, than, uh, than probably brain and daintiness out there. As you see, like you see some guys that are effortless casters. Well, me, it's, it's not, it's a, it's a slop and slug show for sure, but it gets out there. Yeah. It's just not as pretty as the guy beside me. I feel that I'm in that boat. And, and there's something to be said for, I love a fast action rod too myself. Yeah. Yeah. Me mm. too. Cool. So if somebody wants to check those out, uh, just, is it, is it mayhem fly rods? Yeah. Mayhem, yeah mayhemflyfishing.com. You can find us on there. And we got our stuff through social media. And we'll be at the trade show. Yeah. We'll be at the trade shows too. So, with the casting pond, anybody could grab a rod and go take a go take a fling for sure. Talk to me about BC Outdoors. Um, mm. How did you how did you get involved first off with the magazine and and you know what's your kind of day to day involvement with it? Yeah, uh, for BC Outdoors, I started out with BC Outdoors. I used to just do their trade shows. I have a I had a buddy who I went to elementary school and high school. Uh, Derek uh, Nairos, I'm gonna put a plug in for him. Thank God I was buddies with him. He used to work there and he did the advertising sales back in the day for BC Outdoors magazine. And uh, so he'd bring me along to some of the trade shows in Victoria, and it was more like a you know a, a boys' trip, the two of us. It was kind of fun. And so I kind of worked the magazines for them for the different trade shows for about two years, three years, maybe off and on. And then Derek moved to another magazine within our company at the time and his position and more of a junior sales position came up and I just kind of put my name forward. I got kind of hired on a whim. The sales manager at the time uh, was, was kind of happy to have somebody new and fresh. Um, the owner at the time or the, the publisher who's kind of the owner didn't want to hire me at all. He's like, no, we need somebody with experience. Um, I'm now since business partners with this guy and I remind him every single day when I see him about how he didn't want to hire me and now I'm his business partner. And, uh, so it, it, it's kind of just spun off from there. I started out as your sales guy. Um, the editor at the time, 
uh, moved on to a different position uh, and left the company. And they were looking for somebody that had a bunch of applications. And I went in there and said, hey, why don't you give me the job? And he's like, you don't have any editorial experience. I said, yeah, I didn't have any sales experience either when I started. So I can do this. And uh, he just kind of went, took a flyer on me. And this is the same guy who didn't really want to hire me. Uh, maybe he didn't have, maybe the truth is maybe he didn't have any other choices. So I don't, I don't know that. I'm thinking <laughs> that back now. So he just kind of took a flyer, I guess. And then at the time we did a bit of a, a split with the, with the company and it just kind of spun off from there where I became the editor of the magazine. And, um, and I, I'll tell you, that is probably at the time when I got that job, that was probably one of the proudest moments of my life. I hadn't had my kids yet, but that was one of the things because I thought, man, you know what, a guy who basically got through high school because I was a really good football player is now the editor of a magazine that I grew up reading. And in this position, in this industry that I was so fascinated with and loved, now I'm kind of one of the big boys all of a sudden in this industry. And I really haven't earned my way, but I'm going to be this person. And it was such a cool feeling. And, and it's been a great experience. Like I, like I said, I love my job. A lot of times my business partners goes, you know, you don't, you're not really the editor anymore. You're more like just a publisher. So just put your name as publisher. I'm like, I like being the editor. I like having that name. I still make the choices of what goes in there. I still do read through the content to make sure it's there. So I still do some of the editing stuff, but it's not as much. I just like being the editor. To me, that is the, that's the, the position I have always wanted to be in, in that magazine. And until it ends, that's probably where I'll be. Well, look at it this way. Like now everybody has content, right? Everybody, whether it's an Instagram page or, but you are actually, I think printed content, that's probably probably as good as it gets you know Mm -hmm. yeah i agree and it's something to be said like i i still go when we go on trips up to the cabin i'll still go buy other guys magazines because i like to flip through the paper and read i get tired of reading on my phone my ipad or the computer all the time and yeah they all serve a purpose Mm -hmm. they're all there there's a niche for all that stuff but there's something about flipping through a magazine having a drink you know, on the side, out on the deck at the lake. And it just brings me back to an easier time in our lives where things seem to be a lot less and just a lot less heavy and just easier. And it just kind of takes you back. It's a great escape, right? And I find that magazines do that for me still. Oh, amen, for sure. So talk to me about the BC Outdoors show coming up in Chilliwack. This is happening in, uh, we're in 2023 here, uh, yeah. March 24 to 26. Now, uh, full disclosure, Mike, I went last yep. year and I, I just kind of went on a whim. Uh, my buddy yeah. says, hey, we should go down. And then there was a wicked snowstorm. We It was late yep. in the season. We went through like some crazy, crazy roads. But I'm telling you. I'll do that every year, no matter what the weather, because it was it was the best show I have attended in BC, and I, and I go to a lot of fly fishing shows, but mm-hmm. the, it was something special, and I could see that the community really got a hold of it. There was a lot of yeah. people there. Yeah, and I and I appreciate that, um, and I think that I I think that we kind of we really lucked out last year too. I mean you know, as much as you don't, as much as you're always in a competition with other people in industry, some of the other guys that have been running shows for years and years were really handcuffed due to COVID restrictions this, these past few years. And I don't know if you knew this, but right up until the Thursday night of our trade show, like for some reason, Dr. Bonnie and the old wild wizards of COVID decided that the Thursday night of our, the night of the eve of our event, they were going to drop all passport regulations to get into buildings and they didn't they and then mask mandates were done which <laughs> abs- it was like are you kidding me this just happened to us this is amazing because yeah. we had we had all these contingency plans we had complaints from people and threats and you know mm-hmm. it's just like you can't do this show you you know you're you're telling your exhibitors they don't have to wear masks i said it's an option we're allowed to do this we don't have to force it da, 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 da. Yeah. anyway all went away the night before the eve before and of course we had we had known about a about a week before that when she made the date but i don't know why she picked the thursday instead of the friday like <laughs> it, it was weird like when does anything ever start on the thursday for the government right i don't know so man, we but i'm glad it did yeah yeah and and i think that that I think that being the first show in two years out of COVID really spun us off in a positive direction and it really gave us great momentum. And, mm-hmm. and in all honesty, we, we're, we go above and beyond, I think from what I've seen from other shows. And I've been going to shows now for 15, probably 20 years. And I've been going to trade shows, whether I worked them or being a, a, a 
a consumer or just being a um, an event or event guy or whatever, right? Or even a speaker at some trade shows. Mm-hmm. We really try to go above and beyond and making that show feel comfortable for exhibitors and understanding that it's their show. We're just putting it on for them. And that's the biggest thing. I've, the difference I think I've wanted them to feel is I want them to take an ownership, right? We weren't going around with a tape measure and measuring their booth if their booth was out by a foot over the line or whatever. We weren't tacking on $10. We were just like, we didn't even care. It was like, yeah, I see what you've done here. I get it. I've been there. You need that extra space. We'll make it work for you. We want it to work. And we're going we're to continue that attitude going forward because you want everybody happy there because that's the difference. Yeah. If everybody's happy to be there, the exhibitors, that trans that transcends over to the consumers and that's what makes an event great if they all like it there then the, then the consumers will come they're going to talk about it they're going to say how great of a time it atmosphere is everything right you know what was really cool for me personally was mm-hmm. um I, I had all these you know these guys like yourself on the show that i never actually met in person over the last two years because we couldn't really yeah. go anywhere and all of a sudden I walked in and there was like John Wilkinson, Mark Yodagawa, um, all yeah. these guys I had on the show and gals too. And in this one little corner, they were all looking at the the tying booth. Stanton Jack was there. Yeah, it was really cool, and it was just like, okay, um, these are my people. I don't know. It just felt yeah. re- it felt really good, and uh, yeah, really stoked yeah. to go again this year. And I, in fact, we're going to be at the show, which which I'm really excited about doing some some interviews. And, and telling people to come on down exactly what's going on. So um, so this is in Chilliwack at the, is it the exhibition or the fairgrounds in Chilliwack, Mike? Yeah, it's, it's a big heritage, uh, the heritage, the big red barn off the highway as we like to see it, right? Can't miss it. Um, yeah, right off the highway, yeah, you can't miss it. If you drive by it, you're, you're on your phone, you, know, you should not be doing that. Pay attention to the road, you can't miss it. We'll be right at that heritage center there. So March 24 to 26, starts on the Friday, and uh, Saturday's kind of usually the bigger day, I assume, but um, probably yep. probably not a bad idea to go Friday, Sunday. Kind of m- might be a little more space. Yeah, there's lots of stuff going on, too, for Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, right? So, and of course, all the exhibitors are going to be there. There's going to be lots of tying demonstrations, some casting demonstrations. Uh, we'll have some speaker stuff. I think I'm talking Phil into doing a bit of a seminar on one of the stages, which is great. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he's going to talk, he's going to talk fly fishing and whatever else he's going to throw in there too. So it'll be a, it'll be a, uh, it should be a, a great event, especially for the fly fishing community. It seems to be uh, morphing into that a little bit. Of course, we're going to have lots of other stuff, but there's going to be a good, good component of fly stuff for everybody. Well, the thing I love too, is like if, if, I mean, if you spend any time on the water, just anything to do with boats in general. You had so many boat companies there last year and hunting, all kinds of gear. Um, what else? Kayaking, outdoors. Um, I mean, it's not just hunting and fishing either, is it? No, there was there was RV guys there. There was um, rooftop tent displays. Uh, there was vehicles there displayed from, you know, Maple Ridge Kaiser had some of their, their vehicles on display, which is kind of a cool thing. Um, we just kind of tried to open it up to as much in the outdoor industry as we could. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's places there you could ask questions about insurance too, which I find great because, you know, those, that's part of the, some of the stuff that nobody really talks about, but you know, are you getting a good deal on insurance to make sure all your toys and stuff are taken care of if something happens, like mm-hmm. right down to that stuff. I mean, that was, uh, that was pretty cool. And there was manufacturers, like you said, and, and a few retailers. So there was, there was something for everybody for sure. Any chance there might be some mayhem fly rods on the floor? I'm going to guarantee you that uh, there will be some on there. Yeah, there will be some on there. I'm I'm hoping by that point we might even have uh, f- filled in some of our Mayhem uh, pro staffing. So that's, you know, we're looking for some pro staff guys and girls uh, to, to, to sponsor and get involved and help promote the brand. So I'm hoping by then we might have some some mayhem uh, maniacs run around with uh, branded <laughs> stuff on them and, and – uh, and showing their showing this, their stuff in the casting pond would be great for sure. But yeah, there'll definitely be mayhem stuff there. I like that. They're not ambassadors. They're mayhem. What did you say? Mayhem maniacs. Maniacs. Love it. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. Um. So so this is happening. No matter where you are in the Pacific Northwest, it's worth a drive. Trust me. Um. Even if we have a lot of listeners in Washington State coming up for a day or two, um, and check it out. That's in Chilliwack, the BC Outdoor Sports Show. It is next level, March 24th, 26th. And we're going to talk more about this leading up to the date. Um, still a couple of months away. Um, Mike, I want to take it back to the water. Um, yeah. I want you to paint us a picture of your dream day. So let's say 
You know, it's like mid-May. You're headed to your favorite Stillwater. Paint us a picture. Who are you with? What kind of rods are you throwing? What kind of fish are you chasing? Is there something cold to drink? Um, walk us through that. Yeah, I, I, I got to say that if, if I'm, if I'm going to, you're right, if I'm going to sit here and I'm going to paint a picture of this, I think that the adventure starts with the drive there. And I have this, I have this thing, maybe it's gone back to my childhood, remembering those days of going to Surrey Lake where, you know, winching through mud holes and getting stuck. The big part of the fishing trip to me is the adventure of getting there. If it's a new lake, it's so cool to drive into a new lake. So uh, the best day for me would be, four by fouring and having a little bit of trouble getting into a, a new brand new spot, you know, walking out to having a look and seeing birds work in the work in the lake and the anticipation. There's nothing like rushing to get your gear into the boat and getting out there and wanting to set up and get that, that first cast. Again, it's, I think that if the chronomids are going off um, in shallow waters, that's, that's something special for sure. Um, and of course, you know, I got to say casting a mayhem fly rod makes the day <laughs> so much easier on everybody. It's just like, it's an extension of your arm. We'll call it. Um, I love it. That was, that was a terrible shameless plug. It was a good plug. That's why we got you on here. <laughs> we don't just want your yeah. story. We want your plugs too. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Hey, where... yeah, and then I, and I think being a responsible dad and a responsible, uh, TV personnel, I'll save the, uh, uh, refreshments for when I get back to the, the land, but I, there's nothing like a cold beer in the boat. I'll tell you, that's something special at the end of the day and cracking a beer and having a, a cele- celebratory beer at the end of the day would be, would be perfect for sure. Mm, sounds good. Let's go yeah. now. Let's, I'm ready. Let's yeah, go. I'm ready yeah. too. So, Hey, listen, yeah. th- you're the perfect guy to ask this question because this is something that I think about quite a bit. I mean, you've been doing this a while where are we at as a group? Like, like specifically fly fishing. And I, I mean, if you want to expand it to fishing in general, great, but where are we at as a group right now in your mind? It seems like there's a lot of new people on the water. It seems like the sport's really growing. Yeah, I think so too. I, and I, I think that, I think that I used to, I think that the fly fishing groups back when I started, a lot of the guys in the fly fishing that were fly fishermen, we're very elitist, very elitist, and had that mentality of being elitists. Mm-hmm. Basically, not wanting to share a ton of information. Um, sure, had no problem with boasting their their catches online, showing how big the fish they catch and how many they catch, but not really sharing enough information. And you know, and and that that to me was a little bit bothersome, you know, back in the day. And it was, and, and for guys that were trying to get in the industry, and I think that had I not kind of gone in this industry with, you know, with a silver spoon in my mouth by having a great job, it's, it can be intimidating and hard for new guys to get into. Um, you know, and, and I think that where we're at now is I think it's gotten a little bit better. Sure. You're going to have guys that are still um, keep all their information close to their vest because they want to go out and have, 49 fish days and be the hero of the day and, and can't wait to get home to, to plug it online and show show what they've done and there's no there's nothing wrong with with uh with sharing sharing your fish tails and stuff i mean it, it's great to read especially when you're not getting out it fills the day but it's the guys the guys that i have more respect for are the guys that are fishing beside guys and they're looking over and they're noticing you know a guy and his daughter or a guy and his son aren't catching you fish the guys that will say hey try this, try this, try this and flip their rod over and let the guy cut the fly off to put on his kid's line. So his kid can catch a fish. That's mm. those are the guys that I have respect for. Those are the guys that I think have, have should have a future in our industry and should be con- considered ambassadors of this industry is those are the type of guys. And and there are a few guys like that, but I would hope that we get more and more of those guys that, mm. that are okay to share information because there's lots of fish. There's tons of fish. Do you, do you, does it matter if you catch 25 fish a day or 25 fish in a set? Like, what if you only catch 10 or 15? That's still a great day. Yeah. But if you all of a sudden set somebody up beside you and that person gets four and it makes their day, yeah. like that to me is that's better. That's better to me that that guy caught four. I don't care how many I catch, but the guy, I get more out of giving that guy an opportunity to catch five fish or four fish than however many I could catch in a day. I love, I love what you're saying. Uh, yeah. ex- ex- extend that inclusion, right? It's only going to yep. help all the way around. 
Hey, listen, Mike, thanks so much for joining us. I, I really yeah. uh, love what you're doing, and you're such a huge part of the industry in British Columbia and beyond. And uh, keep up the good work with the magazine, the TV show, and uh, just keep on promoting what we're doing. I'm, I'm so stoked to see you at the show. And if you uh, are a listener to our podcast, Fly Fishing 97 podcast, come on out to Chilliwack, March 24th to 26th. Say hello. Uh, shake some hands and uh, tie some flies and uh, look up Mike, because I know, Mike, you'll be running around. You'll be one of the busiest guys on the floor, I'm sure. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks for doing yeah. this, man. I really appreciate it. No, I appreciate your time. And, and thanks again for, for giving me, allowing me to, to uh, talk your off. I appreciate it. We've been chatting tonight with Mike Mitchell. Mike is the editor, associate publisher with BC Outdoors Magazine, host and executive producer of BC Outdoors Sports Fishing TV Show and the BC Outdoors Show coming up March 24th. Thanks for listening this time around. The Fly Fishing 97 podcast is brought to you by theflycrate.com. Thank you for listening to the Fly Fishing 97 podcast. Your feedback matters. Let us know if there's a person or topic you'd like discussed. Email us at mark at flyfishing97.com. Until next time, tight lines and we'll see you on the water. Mm-hmm.